Jordan, good to see you. How are you going? Oh, I'm pretty good, Neil. Pretty I'm good? Crossroads. These nuts are really dry. That's only part of my problem. Well, sorry that my nuts are not moist <laughs> enough for you. I know, not. I invite you into my apartment, give you my nuts. And I complain about them. Mm. I'm a bad guest. Rude. But at the same time, you're a bad host, giving me dry nuts. I'm giving you nuts, man. <laughs> yeah, it's good, it's good enough. They're not dry. They're Brazil nuts, so... Mm, they're supposed to be, though. Mm. God, this must be obnoxious for people. I'm sorry for people listening. I hate that when people are like... Um, so, what do you think about Area 51? <laughs> Sound. No. I'm doing it more. Sorry. They've got to deal with it. I haven't eaten um, since... You are the bad cop of this duo, aren't lunch. you? Lunch. So you're just going to keep Which isn't doing it. <laughs> lunch was like five hours ago. <laughs> that is unbelievable. When you, like go, on a, when you go on a long rant, I will eat them. All right. And well, vice versa. It's, at least you are being decent enough to warn the uh, listeners about that. Mm-hmm. Buyer beware, I suppose. Exactly, exactly. What have you what have you been up to, by the way, the last um the last couple of days? What's what's new? Big things popping, Neil. What's the goss? <clears throat> I am I only found out about this recently, interviewing Kevin Rudd and John Hewson back to back. And also on top of that, because they're like such wow. big wigs. Yeah. They're such big wigs that they it's just the world that they live in. Well done. Just, uh, okay, yeah, so uh, where, where do you want to meet up? In the city, in the CBD? Yeah, I'll be there between 11 and 12. Um, you have a studio for us to go to? No, I, sorry, I don't have a television studio, Mr. Rudd. Oh, okay, well, um, a, a hotel room will do well. Say Shangri-La. Okay, so I'm going to the Shangri-La two days in a row to have do you, these interviews. Did you book out? Did you book out a specific a, a room just specifically for the interview? Yes, it's really weird, man. Well, then you get you get a free hotel for the night. That's not bad. That's cool, I guess. But <laughs> that's I the, can't believe that like that that was the first thing. Like not not that's best, the best thing about the situation. You get a hotel for the night. <laughs> yeah, you get to, you get to interview in some former bed. you know some people that. <laughs> Had a bit of influence in the nineties and the noughties, but yeah. the the real the big thing is that you get a free hotel. Yeah, and I have to kick the sheets out, and you can go hard. Yeah, I will look. Get okay, some coke. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I could get some coke. I think there's probably a bad look. You know what though? Probably probably Rudd's been there before. I don't know about John Hewson. He seems to be like a square. But the thing is, dude, yeah, Rudd is definitely... He, he's in Washington now. He's been around that shit. What are you going to... Are you going to ask Houston about the, the GST thing? No. I'm asking him. Can you just open on... Um... The cake? Yeah. Yeah, I like, So I bought, a, I bought a cake today. <laughs> and, um... <laughs> yeah, I was just wondering if How you could cost it for me. How much would it have cost if uh, <laughs> GST wasn't implemented? Dude, he must be... So sick of that yeah. joke. He must wow. get that his entire life. Mm. Oh, so what is it about cake, John? Dude, <laughs> <laughs> he's definitely just got a shudder. <laughs> I uh, will be asking him mostly about climate change mm-hmm. because he's like huge into that now. Um, and I'll be mostly asking Rudd about media bias, which is just all I ever talk about anyway, but I've just found two people that I can discuss it with. That's pretty much it. 
It'll be basically this podcast again, except for instead of you, it'll just be like really old men. But okay. <laughs> it'll be pretty much the same thing. It oh, will be. It'll be ouch. the same questions. Well, you're yeah. saying I'm an old man. No, I'm saying... That, well, I've no. been on TikTok for way too long the last few days. Why? Because I'm just obsessed with it now. Okay, so... It's very addictive. I hated it. I hate the concept of it, but I've gotten 14,000 followers on it. How? Just by making TikToks. Are you serious? Well, how did you get all the subscribers you got? You made good videos and people shared them. And yeah, but there's no such thing as a good TikTok video. Oh, is there? I, I, um, I would disagree with that. Okay, so I think mine are you're great. You're your own videos. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> someone's got it. Well, what are you doing on it? Are you just singing along to fucking? Uh, what what are some people them, into these shows? The Beatles. Some of them, I, I do a, I do a bit of a sing along, and some of them are. There's a trend on TikTok where you do uh, day one in a particular place, day two, day three, day four, and you've and you've become the stereotype of that place. Mm. So I did one that's gone semi-viral on TikTok. It's uh, four days in Queensland, and I start off very Indian. Day one in Queensland, and slowly transcend into. So then I go day two in Queensland. Day three in bloody Queensland, mate. Yeah. Piss off your fucking curry munches. <laughs> it's my best work to date. Half a million. Half a million? Mm. Views. Yeah, well, I assumed as much. 50,000 likes. I haven't gotten anything near that on any other video for years. What is with TikTok? Is it just like everyone's on that now? Is that the deal? You know what I think? I think all the other social media platforms have been so corporatized and there are ads everywhere. The algorithm is completely, it's not conducive for independent creators. So the young people have gone to something where it's more authentic and it's just other young people making videos. That's what is I that think. Is that the appeal? That's because what I notice in it. Okay, so it's just not commercialised. Well, I don't even know why it's not commercialised There's yet. a few ads here and there, but compared to Facebook, YouTube, and to a lesser extent Instagram, it just feels really authentic. It feels like what Facebook was once upon a time. Who owns it? I don't know. Probably one of the big, probably owned by one of them. Right. But I don't know. Well, so, okay, so you, you are becoming a, what are they called, a TikToker? What, what TikTok thought. You're becoming a TikTok thought. I already am. You already am. Damn, dude. So you're interviewing revered politicians and I'm <laughs> making TikTok. <laughs> really diverged. Our paths have changed here. God, that'd be amazing if Houston becomes big on TikTok. <laughs> Look, I, I am actually really impressed by that, man, I've got to say, because I know next to nil about it it's it, all i know about it is youtubers reacting to it going these kids show cringe that's yeah. it yeah much what it is now but but surely if you do videos reacting to tiktok you're guaranteed to get half a million views yeah i'm considering it or if i make enough good tiktoks i'll just do a tiktok compilation i haven't grown in in uh in many of my other socials i have grown very slowly on facebook youtube as well the growth is really slow um, I'm still getting a decent amount of views, but for, for whatever reason, TikTok, I'm just exploding right now. And yeah, that could be people who already know me and are just following me because 
they follow me on the other socials. But but I do hear that people do blow up on TikTok in an abnormally quick level that doesn't well, exist. In that's others. what I'm hoping for. To the extent where I had a sketch planned tomorrow and I told my editor, no, look, I'm just going to spend the day making TikToks. <laughs> because I, no, and I really, and as a business decision, I think that's what is better it's for me right now. Choice. I really do. Yeah, I can't disagree with you. If you're getting those numbers, yo. Yeah. Who can? Numbers don't lie. Half a million. I mean, that, like I said, I haven't had, I had that white girl's impression video last year. That got a couple million, but since then, nothing's gotten anywhere near that. Well, I'm really surprised at how this medium has. I, 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 look, I don't get it, but it seems that there's something to it. Yeah, I didn't get it either. I don't know how this like emerged, but basically my niece started telling me about it like two years ago and has been nagging me ever since, saying like, just do videos on TikTok reacts, please. But every time I do it and I just see the same thing over and over, people go, what is, how old is this kid? They shouldn't be dancing like that that's, at that age. Oh, that's exactly how I feel. There are way too many teenage girls, uh making content that is uh, egregiously sexual. <laughs> so, and it, and it's really, it's really uncomfortable for me because I laugh at it because it's relatable, but <laughs> I'm like, you're in year nine. <laughs> what are you doing? I don't know, man. Like it just, I guess that's what happens when you get what? 30 million teenagers in an unsupervised space. Together. That's a good point. <laughs> yeah. Where else could it go? Yeah. Good point. Well, I, look, I, I, I really want to hear more of your updates on this I'll, new digital adventure. I'll of keep yours. you updated. I will, definitely. But let's, uh, let's get into the meat. Let's get into the nitty gritty of the podcast. You had a couple of topics you wanted to talk about. What it's, were they? Maybe we can. If there's one I have a preference for, maybe we can go with that. All right, here's your, here's your choose your own adventure, Neil. Okay. Do you choose to go with the concept of ego or do you go with complacency? Now, complacency, what I'm talking about in that context is more actually what Kevin Rudd's really honing in on at the moment, which is sort of that Australia has moved from being the lucky country to the complacent country. And then ego's just, you know... Mm. Um, you know, do, do guys that never have sex sitting in a cave their whole life have they got it right? <laughs> I feel like I'd have a lot more to <laughs> so say on ego. Exact opposite of TikTok, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Um, I feel like I'd have a lot more to say on ego, but I, I'm leaning towards right, complacency. Right, to stroke your ego. Let's go. Oh, okay, right. <laughs> let's go with that yeah, one. <laughs> no, I, I want to learn. <laughs> All right, so you want to go with complacency. Yeah. Don't you think that, it, I mean, the, the first thing that came to mind when you said that was that old adage of, what is it? Uh, good times make weak people, weak people make bad times, bad times make good people. So with Australia having been the lucky country for so long, of course we were going to be complacent. Yeah. And that's actually true. It's like, that, that is pretty much what has happened on a grand scale, a continent-wide scale. Podcast done. It pretty much is. I mean, look, we could just go. <laughs> That's it. Like, there's really not that much to explore in this. I think it's just like the detail that Kevin Wright is adding to it is actually quite scary about it because it's just, it's, it's a thing that I'm constantly trying to strive into my audience, I guess, which is that, look, the reason why America is probably, and I'm calling it now, I did not think this was going to happen even a couple of months ago, but now 
I'm quite certain Bernie Sanders is going to be the next president. The groundswell is phenomenal. Yeah, I, I didn't really think so either, but I, from what I'm observing on the internet, then again, the internet's not a direct reflection of everyone, but it, it looks like he'd definitely have a really good shot. Well, it kind of is now. And the other thing is that when people are always saying that old people are more organised than young people, that's true. But the other thing is old people aren't on social media. And mm. so social media is the like greatest organising tool that has ever existed. Yeah. Um, there's also just the fact that uh, I, I did not anticipate this. And it, I think it's just gotten to that point in America where... The U.S. is sort of like what South America was in the 80s and 90s. It's just gotten so bad that media bias doesn't matter anymore. Really? No, just that, no one believes bad? in it. Man, I, you've surely been the to standard, the U.S., haven't surely you? Surely the, the average standard of living isn't... I wouldn't know what it was like in the 80s in South America, but you would... No, it's definitely not as bad as what it is in South America even today. But the thing is... that. The people that are alive in living memory mm-hmm. can remember their standard of living being a lot better. Okay. And it's gotten a lot worse. Yeah, And sure. Bernie Sanders is basically the only one that's actually giving any coherent answers as to why that is. Yeah. Right? So I think that that's what's happened in the US. It's just there is an underclass in the US that's not really existent in Australia. Yes, there's rich and poor people and there are people that are homeless, but the thing is, not in the same quantity as there is in the US. Uh-huh. It's not as savage as a society. Mm-hmm. So if you're on your, if you're down and you're like in Australia, there's like mechanisms to bring you back up. Mm-hmm. That does not happen in the US. If you mm-hmm. are behind on your mortgage payment, you're, 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 you're bummed. And it's, it's pretty much how a third world country works. Wow. That's what the US has turned into. So I think like the, the dynamics are completely different. And, like, actually, when we were talking about that a few weeks ago, how you were saying that what are, like, you know, centre-left parties do or whatever, mm. it's different when it comes to countries like the US and even the UK, actually, it's getting there. Um, but in, in countries like Australia and New Zealand and certain European countries, I think, I think the messaging that they have to be putting forward is actually what Kevin Rudd is saying now, which is that, we are missing out on a lot of opportunities and we are falling behind very fast. I think that's the messaging. It's not because Bill Shorten did try to go with a Bernie Sanders-esque campaign of just like trying to get back at the 1% or whatever. Mm. That doesn't it's really resonate with Australia. Australia. Not it's yet. not as applicable. Not yet anyway. It's the, the, the main thing that what you have to be saying is like, look, the Liberals are not investing in tech. As Kevin Rudd actually puts out that I think is a really good point, which is that there is not one recognisable corporation from Australia that's globally recognised. You know, where's your Ford? Where's your, uh, like, Peugeot? There's, there's none of these things that exist from Australia. What have we got? Arnott's might be recognised in New Zealand and Fiji. Point. <laughs> it's this thing of like Australia has become a very uncompetitive, sloppy society, and it's because how we much? Just... How much of that is because what? What can the what can a government do to encourage large corporations uh, to to thrive that are from Australia? Because that's the whole thing: is the corporations call the shots here, and it's that same point that I keep getting to, which is that governments need to create a framework so you have these big companies like China's got your Huawei's and uh, South Korea has its Samsungs. These things grew up because of the framing of how the society worked. Right here, 
these corporations kind of just call the shots and so they just make the society extremely lazy. Like they're basically constantly just complaining about, you know, unions are making us pay penalty rates. That That's their big vision in, in Australia is to just get rid of people's yeah. penalty rates, you know? And what framing, you, know, you said the framing that the some of those Asian countries do allow those companies to thrive. What Can you go into some more detail about that? Well, in their situation, it's completely different to ours because those countries were third world countries when mm-hmm. they started out, right? But what they were doing is just directly building industries from the ground up just saying look here's all these government grants go build tvs okay that's what you have to do with everything Every, every one of these industries what you do is what governments what governments do is essentially what hedge funds should be doing which is just this industry is moving ahead say it's renewable technology say it's electric cars say it's uh you know just tech firms like the thing yeah. is Australia, for instance, invented Wi-Fi, right? That should have been a big company in Australia. It should have just been called OzFi or something. It should have been just us exporting that to the rest of the planet. Right. What happened was we invented Wi-Fi. There was no infrastructure to develop it any further. American companies just snapped it up, developed it themselves. They get all of the royalties for it. But we were the ones that created it, right? It's our tax dollars that made all that stuff. We didn't see any profit from it. What about the large American corporations did they get started with uh, government grants and investment absolutely yes absolutely even the tech companies yeah google facebook all of them mostly what they are doing is usually what the u.s does is because america spends so much money on the military like obscene amounts of money i can't even remember how much it is now what 600 billion 700 700 billion i think some some obscene amount of money like that most of that money goes into tech development and so what okay what yeah. they like so for instance like i, I can't even remember the, the classic example is so the, the military iPhone. develops the technology and then and then gives it to the to the free market well it's more corrupt than that but mm. yes <laughs> but, okay. but you know like it's like huh. what, usually what happens is they have mates and those mates say hey can i have a look at that and then they just quickly patent it and then they get to develop it a lot of that's like that's pretty much how um you know, the iPhone was invented. And also, like, a lot of what Microsoft, how that got off of the ground, <clears throat> a lot of that was just, you know, Bill Gates being in the right place at the right time, patenting a bunch of different things, and that's why that is the software that is in 90% of computers now. Right, okay. So it's all basically from... There's other there's other things that they'll have, like, you know, NASA and... God, I can't remember what their agri-science department is called, but, you know, th- th- those kind of things as well. But most of that tech... Uh, stuff is developed from the military so entrepreneurs and and inventors and scientists they don't develop this on their own or they develop it in the military first and then the entrepreneurs are the ones just patenting it now there is some examples and usually this stuff traces its origins back to you know the early 20 uh, sorry the early 20th century because now technology is just so refined you need massive labs to do anything with it so like when you're talking about nanotechnology um when you're talking about nanotechnology and things like that like uh i guess the example is that quantum physics when that started out, I can't even remember when that was. Maybe the twenties or something like that. They, they, people were asking them, and just like there was huge things in Congress, just saying, "Why are we spending all of this money for 
um, scientists to just look at like hyper microscopic particles and they just said shut up and a few decades rolled by and then they realized oh we can make nano chips out of this and that's where computing started and now i think half the world's economy comes from computing mm. and it started with that technology into you know um like it started with quantum theory right and it moved from there so all of these massive developments in some way have been subsidized by the government and i think that that's the whole point i've made a video about this before which is one of the the big things that i think has resonated when I saw it as well with, with videos, because I just do videos on like everything that the liberals are cutting basically is what I do. But the thing that seems to really hit with everyone is that they have cut huge amounts of money from the CSIRO. They've gutted, I think, one out of every five scientists in this country. As a result of that, countries like China, France, even the US, but usually in the private sector in US, they snap these scientists up because we have spent seven years or eight years giving them a PhD off the back of our tax dollar. And then the liberals just come in and say, no, nah, we don't want any more scientists. Oh, and the scientists that are working, we want them to work on just, you know, last century's technology, like drills and, um, you know, like fracking and all this kind of shit, right? Mm. Just things that are like terrible for the environment. And on top of that, are like in a downward death spiral when it comes to profitability. Um, What's their justification for that? There is no justification. That is just blatant corruption and it doesn't get reported and like anything else. If it's corruption, how, how does it advantage the liberal politicians to... Because they're the ones that are getting the kickbacks from it. They're the ones that afterwards, when they're taken out of office, they will be headhunted by these industries. So, for instance, John so, Anderson... And so why, were the industry, why do the industries want less scientists? Why do the industries want the scientists? Because oh, so they want them working on their technology. Oh, right, right, right. Okay, yep. No, yeah, yeah, the thing is, like, what these scientists should be doing is pure science, which is kind of, you know, looking into the frontiers of the unknown. Mm. Scientists are... The, the design of what scientists should be doing... Now, there's ones that always sell out and they go to your Pantene Pro-V institutes and things, but most scientists want to be sitting there tinkering away and experimenting in things that are completely new fields. And you open up those new fields, and by doing that, you open up a huge different area of employment. Do you think there's any room for corporations to invest more virtuously in science so for example i mean spacex comes to mind mm. that but th see this is the thing right why is spacex known the marketing isn't it it's that's true that is very true elon that. he's a character but that's it because elon is basically one of the only selfless billionaires on earth the mm. rest of them are always just looking for ways to you know mar maximize their own profit they will be getting them to work on I can't even remember what they're called, but those machines that basically just look at the stock market and then just make little bids at like mm. one fraction of a second. Mm, they're just trying true. to build a better one of those machines, right? Whereas Elon Musk is a very rare exception. Elon Musk actually is like one of those people that has this like incredible vision and foresight of the future. Mm. And as a result of that, he's basically transformed the automotive industry. But there's, dude, the problem with visionaries is there's usually only like one or two every generation most people are just leeches. Most people, like, like especially when it comes to billionaires, okay. people, people have this idea that billionaires are geniuses because they're billionaires. No. That's true in some cases. Most of the time, it's just inheritance. But the other thing is that a lot of the time, they just got lucky. They were just in the right place at the right time. Like, a really good example of that is Bill Gates. Everyone thinks that Bill Gates is a genius. Dude, he is way smarter than I am. 
But yeah. he did not get there from smarts. He got there from fighting really dirty. Did a lot of deals with a lot of congressmen to make sure that he got the patents of those things of those things that made Microsoft software. Right? How did, how did he get that kind of influence when, when he was just well, he would have been quite young at the time? Yeah, and he, he started didn't have up. Any, he wasn't. He did. He didn't inherit anything, as far as I'm aware. Well, no. He look. Okay. He wasn't from. Well, I mean, who comes from a family that is as rich as like the richest man on earth? Yes, yeah. he, he built a wealth, right? But it's like the same thing as saying Rupert Murdoch or Donald Trump. Um, so he did come from some level of some some level of, of wealth. wealth, but not okay. the level of wealth that he's at now. So you got to hand it to him for that. But the thing is, Bill Gates really wasn't developing anything new. He wasn't like on the frontier of something. Whereas Elon Musk definitely was. Like he he is one of those very few people in life that has this very virtuous vision of the world. Bill Gates now, people argue that he's doing all of this charity work and that's all well and good. But the thing is that if you look into a lot of those charities, a lot of it is just like a return on investment for him. Now you can argue that that's kind of a tax free. And then you can also argue that that's kind of good because he's helping other charities out. But the thing is that like his primary motive there is profit, obviously, Mm. because he is returning on profit. It is not what the best charity outcome is. There's there's more nuanced arguments to that. But what I'm saying is like when it comes to Elon Musk, there, there is... You know, he, he, that that is a man that has, like, created an entire industry. Fine. Okay. That's, they're, they're, but they're rare exceptions. Okay. Most of the time, it's government saying, we want to invest in this field. We want to invest in agricultural advancements, which to <clears throat> the Liberals and Labor's credit in Australia, we have been doing a lot of. Mm. Like, for instance, our cows, you can get, I think, five times as much meat off them as you can in South Asia because of how much we've just been like scientifically breeding them over the years. Really? Yeah. So <clears throat> this is all just a long way of saying that uh, what Kevin Rudd is saying is that we, okay, first of all, we're in Asia. Yeah. Why aren't we cozying up with China more is like his main point, And it's indefensible at this point. Why aren't we integrating into the asia region we're still pretending that we're part of like i don't know that we're just like hawaii or something like this 53rd state of a country that's not even in the same hemisphere as us that come down to a more of a cultural consciousness than anything else i think so but it's stupid it's stupid to sit there and just be like oh well you know they have a democracy and they came from british stock so so how do you think the populace would feel though if uh well, you, you tend to think that the more we link up with China and other Asian countries, it doesn't bode well with the average average Aussie battler. Yeah, but is that guy's opinion worth shit, really? Well, in a democracy, yeah. I know, but, like, it's just, why do we have... This is why we so, have become the complacent country. So then there's a... Poli- well, just real quickly, there's a political incentive to not cozy up to to China because yeah. we lose votes. yeah. That is 100% true. Now, the other thing that's also true is that if you didn't have the media narrative happening in Australia that's just so blatantly anti-China all the time, and I've had Mm. this argument a million times with my own audience, I fully understand people's reservations of cozying up to China. My overall... Is that mainly because of the human rights? That kind of stuff. But again, this is part of the propaganda model, right? Because the US is just as guilty of human rights violations, if not more. They're probably responsible for 
numerous more de- like hundreds of millions of more deaths than the than the Amer- than the Chinese are especially when you like start linking in you know they're the ones that started exporting cigarettes to the third world they've toppled all of these countries with uh, imposing dictatorships that were democracies but all that blood is on their hands and people might tend to think that the citizens of America might have a better deal than the citizens of China yeah that's but- the narrative i would i wouldn't know the actual and reality well see this is the other thing that i think is yes look it's very easy to have human rights when you have money when you're building a country like when i just came back from pakistan you know what my big takeaway of it was it's just like there's so many people there and they're so poor you're just looking around at this massive humanity just sort of aimlessly moving around and you just realize damn it doesn't matter if i live or die at all the show goes on life there feels cheap when you come to australia and everything's Mm. sanitized and you can basically become whatever you want um people have a greater sense of self-importance then yes Mm. that doesn't exist in third world countries in third world countries everybody's just like you know minute to minute thinking about survival that's all society is focused on and what happens is the alternative to china of like this you know, very authoritarian regime coming in and just being like, no, we're going in this direction. Anyone that bandies off that re-education camp, if that doesn't work, execution, you know? Mm. If that doesn't happen, you end up like Pakistan. You end up like India. They're just these countries with a huge quantity of population and then they've just got, you know, all of these, like, corrupt officials at the top and the country is just constantly directionless and aimless. And, dude, the the other feeling that you get when you go to Pakistan, there's no way out for that country. It's just mm. going to get worse and worse. It's like I, I wish that there was a happy ending for them, and I think that their current prime minister Imran Khan like wants there to be a happy ending. Mm. But the country is just so corrupt and has so few resources. Yeah, where does it go? Right. This right. is the whole thing about all of these countries as well, right? Like it's just it, it's kind of like in your personal life, you're either going in like a, a negative spiral or a positive spiral. Like if you're doing good things, if you're working out, if you're mm. just drinking water and eating vegetables, your life gets better in every right. field, right? Once it's in that negative spiral, it just gets harder and harder to. And get then they get, dude. Don't you think that there's like a point where you're looking at a homeless person and you're just like, "There's no way out for you. Your brain's fried. You're old. You have no money. Mm. No one gives a shit about you." That's the end. I think countries are sort of just, as we've said before, right? Like, it's just a massive individuals. Okay, so you're saying Australia, uh, there's a risk that Australia could become, like, a third world country? Well, I mean, who's to say? Especially because, like, climate change is going to hit Australia harder than most countries because we're already mm. an extremely dry, not much water country. But... Um, I wouldn't say that, you know, our situation is anywhere near as dire as... Pakistan's and those kind of countries are. But what I would say is that Australia in the current situation is just, and I think that these, it's actually really interesting thinking about it from this level because I never even thought about it before, but the principles of self-help do apply to countries where if you're stagnating, you're actually dying. Like there's no such thing as stagnation in nature. It's either Mm. things are growing or they're dying. Yeah, got to compete. You got to compete. If you're not getting better, you are by definition getting worse because there's other countries that are getting better and especially in the Asian theatre. We are really an outlier. And it's actually what 
I can't remember the Singaporean president's name, prime minister's name, but he had this quote in the 80s before the Keating and Hawke governments came in that it was saying that Australia has the uh, is in danger of becoming the white trash of Asia, which is what it what it what it uh, what it translated <laughs> to. <laughs> it basically is, isn't it? <laughs> I'm pretty sure most Asians think, think that way already. <laughs> if you go to Bali, <laughs> yeah. So that, I guess then that brings me to my next uh, point that I wanted to bring up. How much of this is cultural? How much of it is that there's a culture within Australia that lacks ambition? And that's partly tied into the tall poppy syndrome. But if you say, if you're just among a group of Australian blokes and you say, yeah, I want to start a, I want to try to invest in some sort of technology and create a global corporation, they're going to laugh you down. That's true. You're a bloody wanker. That's true. So how much, and is that's it, how much of it is cultural? Unless it's sport. Yeah, I'm going to be the best footy player there is. Oh, yeah, go That's hard, all they mate. give a shit about. Yeah. It always is that. It's like, and that's what politicians are always trying to link it to, just being like, yeah, you, you really like it when we win gold in fucking sprinting. Like, why don't you care if we're number one in education? It's really strange that, that that's the only thing that Australia wants to succeed in. Um, but how much can the government influence those outcomes? I know the um, financial investment into education would definitely play a role, but don't you think a huge part of that is also just a culture that respects education mm. that needs to be instilled into kids mm. and that's just not instilled into most kids compared to countries like in Asia. I know that for a fact. Yeah, and they've been hothoused since, yeah, pretty much the 50s because especially I mean, in Japan and Korea, those countries, and China, all, all those countries that are on the up, yeah. they're forcing their citizens to the point of suicide to care about education. And I'm sure there'd be some schools in Asian countries which lack the facilities that Australian schools do, but the emphasis on education would be so much better that the outcomes would probably be greater. I'm speculating there, but... No, that's definitely true. But the point is that there's... Uh, that there is models that we should be following that obviously I, I personally think that the, uh, the Korean model of education is very good if you want to make a bunch of worker drones. Worker drones that are very good at pushing technical buttons. Mm -hmm. That is all that that education system is made to, is invented to do. That is not going to be our competitive advantage. Right, so it doesn't encourage um, creativity. Exactly. Thinking outside the box. Which is where entrepreneurship comes from and that is not something that asia has traditionally been good at do you think there's a conflict uh, with encouraging entrepreneurship and creativity versus becoming that disciplined worker drone hmm? so do you think if there's certain values that you instill into children or in the education system they're either going to go one way or the other they can't be both and you need a certain amount of people in society who are just going to be really productive workers that don't question things yeah you definitely need that. So how do you, do you, is, do you think maybe, you, you know, you detect from a young age, okay, yeah, you, you, you're a gifted individual. We'll put you in the creativity class. You, yeah, you're just a good worker. We'll put you in the uh, look, honestly, studious class. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the proficient class. Hmm. I, I actually do think that that would be the best way to educate people. Look, again, I'm not like, I do not have a PhD in education theory. Neither. But... <laughs> Like what you were saying, I bet you if you said that to someone with a PhD, they'd be like, yes, with a few buts, you know, mm, like I think sure. that, that'd have to be it. Like you just, you're detecting talent and you're moving it in there. And that's what Kevin Wright mm. is saying, that all the talent 
talent in Europe mm. by government grant. Uh, one of the major policies that Kevin Rudd implemented and then was just cut by the Abbott government was that if you go into one of the STEM subjects, we're going to halve your hex instantly. If you get a job in one of the STEM subjects after you graduate, you have no hex. He was encouraging people to go into the scientific disciplines because mm. he knew that that's where the money was for the future. Yeah. It's in the pioneers of tomorrow. So what he is trying to do is encourage a culture where instead of rich, uh, instead of intelligent people, and this is what I see all the time, and it's probably the same thing of the kids in your year, right? The kids that uh, were intelligent in my year didn't end up being entrepreneurs. The kids that were intelligent ended up being accountants, lawyers, doctors. Now, yeah, they're you know they're necessary for society, but the 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 cream of the crop should not be going into those fields. That is not for where the, the the sharpest minds are best used. They're used building new companies. They're used building new technologies. So I think that that's the whole thing is you want to push Australia into having that culture. It, what what Kim Beasley refers to, right, is like a clever country. It's just that 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 is Australia's advantage. We look, we're dumb in comparison to Korea and Japan and China, but not dumb in comparison to the rest of the world. Like a lot of the world has, you know, doesn't even have anywhere close to like a hundred percent literacy rate. Yeah, Australia's up there. Australia could be really punching above its weight. It just depends on where you're investing the money. That's what he's talking about when he's saying that this has become a complacent country. But to your point sure. that you were saying where you were saying that... Um, I, my main my main point would just be how much of that can really be influenced with... I, I'm sure that sort of investment in, in STEM would have an effect. But intuitively, I just think cult, culture is the, the primary factor that would that would create the level of intelligence and the emphasis on education that we need to become an even cleverer country. But this is the whole thing that I I think what Kevin Rudd's kind of aiming for here is, yes, like clever in the sense, because what we're talking about there, right, is just, you know, you've got your Koreans version of what educated means, mm. the drone version, right? Mm -hmm. That's one way of thinking about it. But the other way is that if you're kind of like, if, if you're investing money into education to try and make the education stimulus more creative than most countries. This is why countries like Finland and Norway are doing very good now. Yeah, it's okay. because they are. That's a good point. Mm. And you know what else they're doing? They're cutting back the time the kids spend in class. They're just basically saying, like, yeah, because you know, this are... is a twig. Go think about that. Kids are need to be pampered now. So there's that <laughs> culture as well. I remember yeah. being in year six and having to do coloring in. Yeah, it's like I'm in year six, and I was definitely because uh, my primary school. Was not the brightest, let's be honest. So I was near the top there. And I just remember thinking, like, what? Are, why are we colouring in in year six? Damn. What need is there for us to do that? I'm as and our teacher said it, it, it'll improve your fine motor skills. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, well, well, she's not wrong. Okay. But, like, <laughs> yeah, is that the skill you need to be honing? You know what I think is a severely damaging stereotype that exists in, definitely exists in the Western world. I doubt it would exist in Asia. The nerd stereotype, the fact that someone can just be bullied and ostracized for appreciating and 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 respecting knowledge. Mm. <laughs> that's that's terrible. Like I I remember I even went to a selective school 
which uh, for those of you who don't know, in, in, in Sydney, uh, there's public schools where you just got to do a test to get in. Fair enough, I was in the lower tier of the selective schools, but I topped one of the maths classes. Yeah, and I got called a nerd. <laughs> so you didn't top it school. again. Well, whether or not, I still, you know, there, there, was, a, there was an overriding... Um, Indian culture probably that said I needed to I needed to study hard. All right, yeah, because well. you got home and then your parents yelled at you. Yeah. So having said that, you. that would have definitely influenced me to some degree. Being called a nerd. Well, it would have yeah. probably if it if it if it just had kept happening all the time, then eventually I probably would have given up. No, that's or like stopped caring. Yeah. But that's a re- that's an extremely damaging culture for educational outcomes. Yeah, that is true. In Asian countries, the top of the class is respected and the bottom of the class is henpecked. Hmm. Yeah, look, and, that's... And that's... also there's a, there seems to be... It, 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 it's, it's compassion gone into overdrive where a lot of the, the, the kids that are really struggling in class get so, so much attention put on them, like, oh, we can't let any kid fall behind. And really, I agree with you that it's the... Yeah, sure, that, that needs to happen, but the cream of the crop are the ones who are really going to advanced society the most yeah a lot of attention needs to be put on them yeah but see this is <clears throat> neil this is the thing that i'm talking about in selective schools i would imagine that most of those kids' dream would to be a doctor or a lawyer that is the culture that needs to change ah uh, okay that's sure. what they're striving for. It's the safe and, and, option, I suppose. But, but, dude, we've already got that infrastructure there. You have your selective schools. Yeah. And they're all Asian. And they're all Asians. But, like, the thing is that, yeah, like, it's just like, no, your parents are fucking dumb. Like, they, look, they're immigrants, so they're just thinking, like, oh, yeah, just get a safe job or whatever. But, no, dude, risk your life. Right? Just put it all on fucking red. You can. You know? in, the, in countries like Australia, you can. The thing is, they've come from a country where... Where you can't. You can't. That's, yes. That's why they um, but push the kids that's into what, medicine. Yeah. That, that's what I'm saying. The tools are there. Like, it, it yeah. only takes, like, a, a little bit of a shift. And the thing is that if we don't do this, we are going to fall to the wayside. Because you know what Korea is doing, and I know this for a fact because when I was there... Um, my mum's friend, who's just like some bigwig in education. In fact, like he's, he's part of the, I can't remember what the education department is of the UN, but he's like basically like one of the biggest, you know, thinkers of education there is. Mm. Korea asked him to live there. He ended up living there for like six years, trying to reformat the education system so that they became more creative. Mm. It's this thing of like, you can't just keep sitting there and it's the same thing that Scott Morrison is constantly pushing, which is like one of the numerous reasons why he sucks. But like the main thing that he's sitting, like the, the, the main message that he is sending to the Australian public and why they because they, they voted him in again because that's the kind of culture that Australia likes. It's just like, yeah, just sit back, watch the cricket, it's all good. It's not all good. Like the world is rapidly changing now. It's yeah. it's moving faster than it's ever. You've seen that, you, you've seen like the... the uh, the graph of inventions in human know. history, right? It goes like this. And then it, yeah. And then like 20th yeah. century goes, and then it goes yeah. 21st century. It's not even a, it's just a line. Wow. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. it's moving unbelievably fast now. Yeah, we're watching the cricket. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. And getting yeah. encouraged, yeah. getting encouraged to watch the cricket. Hmm. And so, yeah, I think that it's just complacency stemmed from corruption, but there's also like this book, 
which is why Kevin Rudd called it the complacent country, which now I want to read. But that is where the phrase the lucky country came from. You know, like politicians, I, I think it was just out of stupidity. They never actually read the book. Mm. Politicians have been saying like, Australia is a lucky country for, you know, five decades now. But in the 60s, this dude wrote a book called The Lucky Country. And he's just saying that like Australia is just a wasted opportunity. That it is this huge continent with a tiny mm. population and it just has this she'll be right attitude. And the thing is that, like, yes, so far we've been able to ride off the coattails that we are a tiny population on a, on a continent. Mm. But the thing is, climate is changing. Mm. The economy is changing. All of these, like, you know, incremental moments are getting to, like, that real heat crossover point. Yeah, and we're just wow. sitting there. It's, it can't be good. It's the story of history, isn't it? As soon as... Uh any country or empire gets too successful and rests on its laurels, it loses its power. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And look, Australia, yeah, has had like a, a dream run up until this point because of that. But like, yeah, I really think, in fact, actually my... um, I mean, when you think, just real quickly, when you think about it, if, you, if you've got a nice house near the beach and you're making a great living, um, why would you want to do any, why would you want to, try and become an entrepreneur, risk it all. Got such a great lifestyle. Yeah, because like even on a personal level, I don't know if you feel this, Neil, but ever since I started making excess money, mm. the drive that I have is nowhere near what it used to be. Oh, yeah. 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 No, I'm, I'm 100% the same. It's really weird how like quickly your brain's just like, oh, I can get KFC whenever I want now. Don't so be a wanker. Come on, don't get too rich. You'll be a wanker then. <laughs> no, but really, that tall poppy syndrome is instilled into us from such a young age. And even when you just talk to Americans, because they they might still have some of this, the, the overall political complacency, but the culture, the individual culture there is, it's not like that at all. They really, they appreciate um, success. And then there's a, there's a dark side to that, which is um, they appreciate and, and they lord financial success more than anything else. So, you know, but there's a lot of arrogant rich people walking around. That's true. But also the other thing, yeah, there's a lot of arrogant rich people, but that's the whole thing. That culture breeds entrepreneurs. Uh, but entrepreneurs in stupid things. Like, you know, like the wonder peg, just dumb shit. Yeah, that's very true. Don't you reckon? Whereas like there is this, there is this general national interest that is honed into Asian countries Mm. where it's just like, you will build a better TV for Korea. You know, like there's, there's this, there's this, this overall driving thing that like, you know, you, you are to become successful so that like you are bringing the country forward. That's true. But they also do have what you, you said before, which is that drone worker mentality. And on average, um, I would guess that the, the person in Korea and in Asia wouldn't have the creativity and the ability to, to just think abstractly in the same way an American would. Yeah. But no, the American, true. because there's so much incentive to become financially successful and just think of the self and not necessarily the country. Yes, they do become entrepreneurs in quite often very <laughs> stupid things. So I think there's there's a if you can if you can find a way to encourage entrepreneurship, but also uh, uh, you know an immaculate work ethic. That's the ideal. It's not it's not quite there, but there's like promise. If if you look at the European Union. 
they've really got that framework down pat. And it's very reflective in the okay. fact that, like, uh, you know, all the Asian countries combined, if you combine, like, you, you Japan and your Korea and your China to get a similar GDP turnout from Europe... The amount of patents that those countries are putting out is dwarfed by the European Union. So there is that. They, they are pushing that entrepreneurial tradition that actually has always existed in Europe, and that's why Europe was more successful. There's, there's other reasons that Europe was more successful, like that Jared Diamond book about guns, Jones, and Steel. Like, I get it that <clears throat> it was just like a constantly warring continent, so there was just this constant pressure to advance and that they had all of these domesticated animals that Asia did not have, and that helped them a lot. That's the other thing, competitiveness. There's nothing that... Australia hasn't really been... Except in sport. Yeah, except in sport. (laughs) We've never been in a... I mean, at least in recent memory, uh, for the latter half of the 20th century, we've never been in a position where we have to compete against another country. At all. I mean, even if you look at the the space race, for example, that's why the, the... I mean, I don't know if there's some big corruption involved in that too, but... You would think the narrative I've been told anyway is that the reason there were so many advancements in space technology was because they were competing with the Soviets and they yeah. wanted to get there first. Yeah, yeah. Which, and then, and and then they just stopped. Yeah. yeah, and then they just eventually, because when the Soviets, when there was when the, that competitiveness wasn't there anymore, they just said, no, we don't need to fund NASA anymore. We're fine. Yeah, which is actually what... Space is the next... That is... I mean, yes, there's all the STEM and the digital technology, but... When we look at like the latter half of the 21st century and then going into the 22nd century, I want to do a sp- podcast on space soon. Yeah, well, let's do it. Yeah, we, we can. Yeah. Well, I suppose. But actually, that is yeah, that. The technology, <laughs> yeah, like, there's a lot of. We don't already, have to petition anyone. No, I know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, already so many. Um, there's huge investment into, uh, well, this would probably be corporations, but asteroid mining. But also just the. Obviously, SpaceX is a big one. And. Interstellar travel is another one, and we're not that far off it. It sounds, well, it sounds like something out of a sci-fi movie, quite literally. But we're actually—I mean, already uh, there's a there's a thing called Project Starshot, which I don't know if any governments are funding it, but I know uh, Bill Gates is one of the um, patrons, I guess. And there's a Russian billionaire that's also contributing a lot of money, and they're planning to. Uh, send little nano spacecraft to our nearest star with by the 2070s and then and then and then take photos uh, and then the photos will take about five years to get back to earth but what's the point why are they taking photos of that star to see if it's like a habitable uh, solar system that's part of it but it's also just the the advancement in human exploration because we haven't gotten out of this solar system yet no have we? Um, that that one probe is, I think, out of the solar system. Oh, really? I think there was one. I think it's the Voyager two. Or I I I don't know exactly, but I think it might, or it's at least in the outer regions of the solar system. But it'll just keep going. It's not going to do anything more. It's well, I mean, yeah, that's the only real way to advance. Possible, like it, obviously, like it has to get to the point of space colonization. It'd be an awful life, though. I don't want to be one of those people. Yeah, the first settlers, it would be terrible. But <laughs> but you're one of the, you know, you're, you're the first settlers. You'd, there would be such a, you'd get such a sense of pride in that, that you'd be willing to put up with whatever hardship that comes with that. There definitely would be people for, for me, it. I would, I would do it. Really? Yeah. 
you're not scared of like an asteroid smacking into your space because that's yeah the thing. i'm scared I'm, of that but i'll well, take the risk okay well maybe if you're like cryogenically frozen so you don't know if an asteroid smacks you but if you have to live on that spaceship and then breed with oh. a woman and just keep the oh, chain you're talking going about down for like five generations oh generation ships no i'm talking about i i would i would potentially go to mars i mean already there's a wait Dude. list Dude. I don't think those people have thought that through. Like, I don't think you understand how shit Mars is. I mean, I know it's pretty shit, but, <laughs> but just to be one of the first, that's, I think, why they're doing it. Anyway, by the way, uh, my editors, we've got, we've got to keep this podcast to about an hour as much as possible. So well, we'll just end it. Then. We'll wrap. Uh, do you have any concluding remarks? How? Okay, just real quickly, briefly. What do you think the best... Do you think it's just in, in well, investment in education, obviously, but what what can what can we do as individuals to change and and be able to compete in the world today well, in the future? World? Neil, I actually think that they should quit. So, so, so doctors but... should quit their job and become entrepreneurs. You were actually yeah, right because a I lot of the entrepreneurs that... in Australia are just yeah, bro. I just want to make money, man, and I. Like, ah, it's, so, it's always that. Or like the table. entrepreneuring is just... And like, I make a lot of money. I know. I get like fucking DVDs on Amazon and then I sell them on eBay for like five bucks more. It's like that kind of shit in Australia, isn't it? Look, I think, honestly, the best thing that you can be doing is listening to this podcast. I truly believe that. If you are listening to self-improvement ideas... Yeah. Read. It's as simple as that. Read. But non-fiction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's definitely no, the I mean, re- main you know, point. Read fiction as well. You can, sure, but, but... but it's not, it shouldn't be the, the... That should be your dessert. It's not... Okay. The, the main course should be non-fiction. But I think that that's the whole point, is that if you are listening to self-improvement, self-betterment, eventually you get to the stage where you kind of have this urge to uh, become something bigger. You know, mm. and like there's, you just keep outgrowing your shell like a hermit crab, I suppose. I really do think that that's what happens when you listen to self improvement. Yeah, it it breeds entrepreneurs. It does, yes, and I th- I do think that in the future, there there isn't going to be worker drones. There's just going to be robots and entrepreneurs. Yeah. So you you really got no choice. I don't think that's even that far off. I think in well, our yeah, lifetime, now. yeah, it is will, now. That will basically be the case. So I think that pretty much, look, honestly, Neil and I have done like dumbass entrepreneurial stuff of just being like, oh, mad, some other format that exists. So I'm going to fucking use that shit. I can but make like, people laugh here. <laughs> <laughs> I, can, I can get validation here. i my own TV channel now. Yes. But like, I, look, it's, it's, but the thing is that I was thinking about this the other day. Crazy thing is we're in a safer position than a lot of doctors. It's, that's what that's I'm scary, saying. That's the scary thing. All that wisdom that um, people have been told about, yeah, the safe, the safe option is going into accounting or becoming a doctor. I mean, accountants are the next, the next decade. Uh, automation is going to take white collar jobs for the first time in history. But it's look, even if you're putting aside that, the fact they have a boss, the yeah. only person yeah, that yeah. can fire you is you. Like, if you wanted to just say tomorrow, don't you reckon, like, you're that's your... Do, that's why I do TikToks. <laughs> yeah. I'll do yeah, what I want, yeah, bro. Yeah, you decided. You decided to take this brave, new, bold initiative in this direction. If you were, if you were part of a company... Dude, could you imagine brave being in Channel bolded. 10? 
I love that. Yeah, taking that company in a completely different direction. Yeah, I love that. Neil Corp is now just exclusively on TikTok as of like, to, like, dude, it was just like approved, signed, everyone on the board's on board, done. And I, just really quickly, because I know we have to end this, but I find that uh, even my personal complacency, that as soon as I've had a period of success, I do, be I become complacent. I know. And then now with the social media world the way it is, there's so many more comedians, even in Australia, that are just completely, they're, they're, you know, the, the newsfeed is really cluttered. You have to be competitive. You have to change it up. You have to do something different. Mm. Because the guys that are just doing the same thing, one sketch a week or whatever, they're basically, they're old news. I don't, well, they're riding the coattails of their previous success, but they haven't grown. Right. I haven't done anything really innovative. Well, it's also the thing of like, it's, it's a market saturation. That's the other point is that, look, yeah. there really isn't that much area that you can grow in in Australia. What you have to do to grow in Australia is find different niches that you can cobble together. If right. you're just doing the same thing over and over again, it's only going to reach that level. I mean, it's the same thing in America and stuff. It's just going to be more scalable. Yeah. But yeah, dude, okay. I'm telling you, keep innovating. Make the hermit crab your role model in life. There you go. Read right. and innovate. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Easy. Thanks. <laughs> All right. Well, See you next you. time. Bye.